Welcome to this episode of Finding the Future, where we interview thought leaders and innovators in land use and sustainability. I'm Bill Griffith. Recently, I had the chance to sit down with Carla Henderson, a dynamic personality and the new director of community development for the city of Bloomington, Minnesota. I wanted to understand what draws a longtime member of Mayor Dave Bing's inner circle from Detroit to the tundra of Minnesota. Henderson is at once engaging and infectious in her approach to motivating people to carry out a bold vision for the neighborhoods of this aging post-war city. She is effusive in her praise of both staff and city council members who have given her authority to boldly take the city in new directions. Carla Henderson made a critical decision early in her career to move from Ann Arbor back to her hometown of Detroit. I was born in D.C. My family moved to Detroit when I was nine. So wasn't born there, but raised, educated, lived there for the majority of my life. And I was actually working for the city of Ann Arbor, and I'd been there for nine years, promoted three times. I thought, this is good living, right? I could retire from here. But the number one issue we were dealing with at the city of Ann Arbor was where we were going to locate that third dog park. And I really felt like my hometown was going through a crisis with the former mayor being convicted and going to jail. And I remember hearing about Dave being running for mayor and got kind of excited about that. I did not know him. I'd never met him, but really felt like this was a fresh start for the city and reached out to some people on his campaign, and they interviewed me and hired me to run their building department. And I used to joke that was every gal's dream job, is to be over (laughs) the building department. But I really got there, and I understood quickly that we touched everything. And it was a large team, 300 staff, 100 inspectors, you know, from zoning to inspections and property maintenance. Demolition was also in that department. And I did that position for about six months. And Mayor Bing came to me and said, I'm going to promote you. I want you to get some more successes under your belt. But I really feel like your skills could have a greater impact in a different position. So then I was promoted to group executive of planning and facilities. And that was really when I realized, like, the city of Detroit had hundreds of millions of HUD dollars, had not been that strategic in getting them out. Yet, you know, you drive around, you're like, where are the, where's the investment? And HUD was extremely helpful. The Obama administration, extremely helpful, sending a lot of technical assistant advisors in to help us kind of figure out where we should be putting our resources. And got into development work, because when you're in planning development, that's kind of what you do. And I really enjoyed that Mayor Bing would say to me, we know what status quo has gotten us, so go out and take risks. And I really felt like I could. Wow, what a charge. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, take some risks. So things like, you know, when uh, these two young men bought a building, abandoned building in Corktown, which is a neighborhood right outside of Detroit, to make a bagel store. We, there was no bagel shops in Detroit, but they needed a variance on the parking. And so they had to go to the BZA and I would show up, you know, and I felt always felt like when I, because I didn't go often, but when I did, it was like basically to say, 
we really want this to happen. And uh, Detroit Institute of Bagels opened up and it was a huge success. They took a vacant building that had been sitting there for 40 years. And I didn't want that parking to be the reason why they couldn't open because clearly there was limited parking in the in right where the little shop was. So I just really thought, and again, got a lot of support to just, you know, as long as safety and health were not compromised, I was like, let's go for it. And one of the things I heard you say is you reached out to Detroit, not the other way around. Correct. Yeah. So what, what inspired you to do that? I just felt like there was this whole sea of change that was happening. I loved Mayor Bing from afar. Uh, well, you know, he was a mayor at the time. He was going through his election, but, you know, retired NBA basketball player who really never left Detroit, started Bing Steel, employed, you know, thousands of people, built houses in the neighborhood where his headquarters was. He was always giving back, helped the charter schools when that was not popular to do. And he would never really try to take credit for any of it. And that's how he is to this day. I always believe that a job either pulls you away or pushes you away. This job pulled me here. It was my family, and the job was definitely the vessel because I wanted to be closer to them. In a move that some might see as a step down from the city of Detroit, Henderson decided to move to Minnesota during the COVID pandemic to be near her family. Working for a city like Detroit, being in that political climate is stressful. There is a lot of power in certain positions, and people come for you. I mean, people will be like, we should get rid of that person. We need to let that person go. For me, it was my family, this city. I mean, you've got the Mall of America. Like, you have, like, the equivalent of, for Ann Arbor, the University of Michigan, right? Like, the economic development that's happening here. Bloomington, I mean, I didn't know that till I did my research as I was interviewing. And I was like, oh, this is an economic engine. Like, this is a hub, not to mention a triple A bond rating. To, I mean, we struggled in Detroit, right? I was there the day they filed for bankruptcy. You know, that's, those are not fun times to be. And I got here and I thought, this is a nice, quaint suburb. And then I had coffee with you. And, <laughs> <laughs> and you said, uh, well, we got some challenges. And yeah. um, learned about, you know, some of the challenges that were occurring, some of the disparities. And so I feel like, just as I did in Detroit, I can use this position to reduce some of that and do things a little bit differently and focus on small businesses and our neighborhood commercial corridors that have been somewhat ignored because the attention hasn't been there, or it hasn't been a priority. And then the team. I love this team. I love this team. I love the leadership team, mayor, council, my boss, Jamie Verbrugge, and the men and women that come in here every day to serve the citizens of Bloomington. They are like top-notch, stellar city employees. Those who get to know Henderson over coffee or over decades are often struck by the way her personality engages people and pulls them into her vision, or how quickly she affirms the vision of others, empowering them to take risks. I think my whole career, I've been fortunate, like when I talked about Mayor Bing, that I've worked for 
organizations that have let me be me and let me take risks. And it's okay to fail. Like, you know, hey, didn't work out. Won't do that again. Um, and learn from it. And that's how you grow, right? Because if you're doing the same thing, if we're doing the same thing, we're not growing. And then I had an employee that came in my office and he said, what if we pick a day and we fast and then we go and we break our fast at the mosque at Dar al-Farouk? And I was like, I love that idea. And so we got creative in finding a way to get to guests. And we went. 20 employees went, our fire chief went, public works director Carl Keel, Yuli Seal, one of our employees brought her daughter. And I, it was such a peaceful night and you felt at peace as they got up and the members of the mosque talked about, you know, when they were little and they started fasting and what it meant to them and why they do it. And we had like four speakers. We were there an hour, right? And it just, that's what I want. That's, I want somebody to say, I have an idea what do you think about this? And then we just go off and we make it happen. Well, let's get to some of your favorite projects. I was very intrigued by the redirection of Fire Station Number 3. And I say redirection because it was scheduled to be demolished, right? Let me back up. Part of when I was interviewing here, I talked a lot about small businesses because that really was a lot of the work I did in Detroit. Like, you know, how we get the zoning variance on parking so that we don't have to have so many parking spaces. And, you know, no disrespect to Chick-fil-A, but the Chick-fil-A's are gonna be good. That line is, when I go to, you know, I see that line, they are good. But what about the local entrepreneur that's here and what are we doing as a city to support that work? I was doing a number of tours with staff and everybody loved to show me the new fire station number three that the port paid for. And, it's, and I did a tour in there and it is absolutely beautiful. I was actually with Julie Farnham, our senior planner, and she was giving me a tour and I said, where is the old one? And she said, oh, it's right down the street. So we drove by it. I was like, there's nothing wrong with this building. Like, I would hope they wouldn't tear it down. I had not met Chief Yuli Seal in person yet, so I set that meeting up and I went over to his office and he was giving me all his background. I was sharing mine. And then I said, well, I do have another reason why I'm here is I'm interested in wanting to take that building, you know, if you don't have a use for it and making it like a business center for small businesses or I can't remember how I said it. And he said, have you been in it? And I go, no. And we got in his truck and drove there that moment. And I walked in and I was like, this could work. It's in a neighborhood. It's in the backyard of Bloomy Meadows North and South, two properties that are owned and operated by Aon. 500 something units right there, right? So, you know, I believe there's probably all kinds of entrepreneurship going on in those buildings. So, uh, the city did get some American Rescue Plan Act funds, and we were asked as a department to put in an ask. And so I had put in that, we, you know, half a million dollar request, and Jamie approved it, council approved it, wanted to leverage that. So reached out to the McKnight Foundation, and they just gave us a grant of $250,000 for it. So that got approved by their board. Have you thought about layering in a nonprofit for the operations side? I have not yet because we did apply for a grant 
with the EDA. And that is a, it's $1.5 million ask. And we have not heard if we have gotten it, though we we thought we would have heard by now. But no news is good news for us. That's the federal EDA. Mm -hmm. The federal EDA. And we have, we had to make a 20-year commitment. The city council had to say, if we get these funds, we will operate that center for 20 years or repay that money. And this was huge because I had asked a question, and then one of the council members or port members asked, well, what if we're in year 19? Is it prorated? No. Keep going to year 20 because you're on the hook for that $1.5 million. I love that I work for an organization whose leadership says we're in. Now, that is an all-in. And so it has to be city-led. That's how we wrote the grant. Now, if we don't get the grant, which I I hope we're going to get it, maybe we would start to think about a different model. But I think it's important for the city to be there because how I described it is government can sometimes, oh, we want to support you. But to have a physical space with city resources and city staff there sends a different kind of message. It really sends that message that we really mean what we say. We are partnering with you. We do have challenges, and there's 90,000 people here, and people need assistance, and we need to act as a partner. And that's talking to the team. That is really the culture that I'm trying to instill here, is how we interact with our business community particularly our small business community, is as a partner. Henderson has flipped the traditional model for economic development on its head. For instance, instead of tearing down a 60-year-old building in Bloomington, which serves an existing neighborhood, she prioritized keeping it as a place where small businesses can continue to grow. We are working on a couple of things. Um, One is a facade improvement program. There's a smart team of planners and Port Authority members putting together the criteria. And I recently had a check-in with our city manager and said, hey, what about, he said, I'm all, I'm all in. I, just bring me to that. Yeah, I'm good. I didn't even have to like, you know, what do you think about like with the Small Business Resource Center at the fire station? Sometimes tearing down a vacant building is just the thing that is needed to turn a neighborhood. The city is using a grant to tear down an old gas station at Penn Avenue and 90th. And so that gas station's been sitting there for 15 years, vacant. And, you know, when you start to do these incremental little things, people notice. So let's just get focused on getting one more project done. So the team said, how do we support BIPOC businesses? And so we now have set up this It's called Bloomington Collective Stories of Solidarity. And our communication team goes out to small BIPOC-owned businesses and does like a video, an interview with the owners. And we've done three, and the three businesses were highlighted at the Mayor's State of the City, and the owners were in attendance at the luncheon. That work was birthed out of this department. In her work each day, Henderson clearly puts special focus on small business, neighborhoods, and owners and developers who are new to the system. Yeah, it's, I think a big part is access. Access, like we did with the owner of Garopolis. You know, when you expand your building, 
here are the water lines. I mean, we sat there in public works and we showed them, you know, where you're going to connect, which ones did you upgrade. That information is so valuable and most people don't have it, right? So we got to be accessible, right? It's not just, hey, here's the form, fill it out, take it to your engineer and you guys figure it out. It's like, let's figure this out together. I was taught years ago that there are three Ps that developers want from the government. Professionalism, promptness, and predictability. And if you give them those three, everything's good. Bloomington is known for many things. It's sprawling parks, proximity to the airport, and Mall of America. So I asked Henderson, what is the best kept secret in Bloomington? The chamber had this like Bloomington round table where you go and you sit to talk about like your job. And they brought seven youth and you did 10 rounds. So I met 70 young people from all the high schools here some of the alternative, there was an alternative school. Some of the participants there were there. And I was blown away by how in touch they are with issues. And I did come away from there. And I remember calling Mike Sable, our assistant city manager, and I said, I think I just offered five students jobs here for the summer. And he said, well, do you have the money? And I go, yeah. And he goes, okay, you're good. And now we're going to do workforce development and get some of the businesses here to hire youth. And we're working with Catrice O'Neill from Brooklink because she has a model over there that I am really jealous of. But we're just going to borrow her brilliance to come and teach us how to do it here. And we may do an agreement with Brooklyn Park and Brooklyn Center, that's more to come. But all this just kind of fell in my lap. And so I would definitely say it's the young people. And I don't know if we have, we, the city, all of us, have done a good enough job of kind of like taking that talent and growing it. I think we probably just expect the schools to do it, but that's our future. As we wrapped up the interview, Henderson explained how changing demographics in the city are creating an opportunity to welcome and attract new talent by making sure people feel valued in what they do. According to Henderson, not only does it help the city recruit and retain people, but they have a better chance of success in their jobs and their long-term careers. Bloomington is like many aging suburbs in the country, full of opportunity and challenge. Sometimes all that is needed is a strong leader who can unlock talent, ideas, and initiative by making people feel heard. Thanks for listening to this episode of Finding the Future. If you have a story about innovation and land use or sustainability, I'm ready to listen. I'm Bill Griffith.